0: Welcome to the podcast service of Sydney's FM 103.2, available on the web at fm1032.com.au. At 15 years of age, Samuel Payton was sentenced to seven years for the theft of a piece of cloth. That's a frightening thought when I remember what I was getting up to at 15. Luckily, he was pardoned after just two years in prison. He wouldn't be so lucky the second time around. A couple of years later, Payton was caught in possession of a stolen watch, which he claimed to have won in a card game. The explanation didn't quite wash, and he was sentenced to seven years' transportation. So in May 1787, Samuel Payton was bound for Sydney, with 774 other convicts chained in the hull of the boat, the Alexander. On arriving at Sydney Cove eight months later, Payton was set to work as a stonemason, supporting the flurry of early colonial building activity, the hospital, the prison, and of course the governor's house. Within five months, though, the young Samuel Payton was in trouble again. This time he was found in an officer's quarters trying to steal, quote, "...a shirt, stockings, and a comb." I get the impression that Samuel Payton was more foolhardy than pure evil, Payton was promptly tried and sentenced on Monday, June 23rd, 1788. And on Wednesday the 25th, he was hanged on Sydney's public gallows, where the exclusive Four Seasons Hotel now stands. He was just 21 years of age. Samuel Payton would just be another name in the convict log if it weren't for a letter he wrote to his mum with the assistance of an unnamed friend, the night before his hanging. And one of the first fleet officers, whose name was Watkin Tench, was so taken with this letter from a convict to his mum that he copied it out in his own journal. And this journal was then published, which is how come we have a copy of the letter. Now, Officer Tench just wanted his readership back in England to see that not all of the first convicts were ignorant and untaught. For me, though, Peyton's letter illustrates one of the most enduring legacies of the gospel's portrait of Jesus. From the 1st century to the 18th century and beyond, people all over the world have found in Jesus a saviour. Let me read the letter from Samuel Peyton, dated 24th June 1788, the night before his hanging. My dear mother, With what agony of soul do I dedicate the few last moments of my life to bid you an eternal adieu, my doom being irrevocably fixed, and ere this hour tomorrow I shall have entered into an unknown and endless eternity. I will not distress your tender maternal feelings by any long comment on the cause of my present misfortune. Let it therefore suffice to say that, impelled by that strong propensity to evil, which neither the virtuous precepts nor the example of the best parents could eradicate, I have at length fallen an unhappy though just victim to my own follies. Too late I regret my inattention to your admonitions and feel myself sensibly affected by the remembrance of the many anxious moments you have passed on my account. For these and all my other transgressions, however great, I supplicate, the divine forgiveness and encouraged by the promises of that Saviour who died for us all I trust to receive that mercy in the world to come which my offences have deprived me of in this the affliction which this will cost you I hope the Almighty will enable you to bear Banish from your memory all my former indiscretions, and let the cheering hope of a happy meeting hereafter console you for my loss. Sincerely penitent for my sins, sensible of the justice of my conviction and sentence, and firmly relying on the merits of a blessed Redeemer, I trust I shall experience that peace which this world cannot give. Commend my soul. To divine mercy, I bid you an eternal farewell, your unhappy dying son, Samuel Payton, Sydney Cove, Port Jackson, 24th of June, 1788. This letter captures perfectly a theme of Christ's life that appears across the range of our earliest sources. To quote Samuel Payton, Jesus is the saviour, Who died for us all. Earlier in this series, you may remember, we explored the meaning of Jesus' surname, which you may remember wasn't a surname at all. Christ, or in Hebrew, Messiah, is a title for the one anointed to speak and act on God's behalf. But the Gospels also give Jesus another equally important title. In fact, the two titles appear alongside each other in a passage usually associated with Christmas time. Let me read Luke 2 uh, verse 10. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. If the title Christ captured Jesus' status as the one endowed with divine authority, the title Saviour captured his mission to rescue people from God's judgment. You know, even his given name conveyed the same theme. Um, The word Jesus, which is an anglicized form of the Hebrew word Yeshua, really translates as the Lord saves. That's what the word Jesus means. In the modern world, most of us are unaware of the meaning of our names. Um, But in the ancient world, and especially in ancient Judaism, Names were transparent in meaning and really significant. The Gospel of Matthew makes this point about Jesus' name explicit. In Matthew one twenty-one, we read, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The word Jesus means... The Lord saves. The point is simple. According to the Gospels, by name as well as by title, Jesus is the one who came to save men and women from God's judgment. And here we arrive at one of the striking differences between the first century and the 21st century. See, Jesus lived in a culture so keenly aware of God's judgment that he had difficulty convincing people that sinners could be welcomed to the divine table, as it were. Ironically, it's probably under the influence of Jesus' teaching that many of us in contemporary society are so keen on the idea of God's love that now Jesus would have a difficult time convincing us that we were sinners in the first place. But Jesus never taught that God accepts men and women because he's pleased with them just the way they are. Far from it. Um, Jesus insisted that humanity's incessant search for wealth at the expense of the poor is truly damnable. He said that a person's love for the things of creation while ignoring the Creator Himself is what makes us sinners. And it's only against this backdrop that Jesus' title, Saviour, can be understood. According to the Gospels, Jesus thought of his entire mission in terms of saving sinners. From god 's judgment, as we saw last week, um, Jesus sought out those we might have thought were first in line for judgment, and he offered them mercy, salvation. to the prostitute who came to him at the Pharisee 's house, he declared, "Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. To offer another example. As Jesus neared Jerusalem for his final week, he spotted a wealthy tax collector named Zacchaeus. Now, this is someone who'd been milking his fellow Jews on behalf of the occupying Romans and creaming a fat prophet off the top. Tax collectors weren't exactly loved. According to the Gospel of Luke, though, Jesus invited himself to this man's home, much to the anger of the religious people there that day. Then Jesus made a statement that could easily stand as the banner Over his entire mission. Here's the statement from Luke 19, verse 9. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. By title, by name, and throughout his entire mission, Jesus' purpose in life was to seek and to save what was lost. Sin is real judgment is deserved but Jesus came to rescue us as that first fleet convict Samuel Payton said Jesus is the saviour who died for us all now tomorrow night I'm going to pick up on this and show how from the New Testament's point of view we see Jesus' mission as the saviour most clearly in his death for now though let me just say that what Christ wants to do for you is not just teach you or heal you or lead you. He wants to save you from God's judgment. If you don't yet know this salvation, please let me urge you to ask God for his mercy. He won't begrudge it. It's why he sent Christ into the world. If you do know that salvation... Rejoice in it, relax in it, and keep sharing it with others. It's the thing he came into the world to do. As Jesus himself said in Luke 19, the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. We hope you enjoyed this FM 103.2 podcast. To listen to more great audio, visit fm1032.com.au.